In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who has come after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, We have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, you are good, and we thank you that you have sent Christ, your Son, that we can look to Jesus and see what you're like. We pray that you would light our hearts today. We thank you for Christmas and the celebration of your coming, and we eagerly wait for you to come again. And we pray that you speak to us today and that we would rejoice that you have come and you have given us hope. In Christ's name, amen. Peace be with you. If you're visiting, welcome. So glad you're here. If you haven't been here in a long time and you've been here before, it's good to see you again. All of those things. Merry Christmas to you. Um, Before I get into your message, I'd like to get into our kids' message. And so I'd like to invite up um, the kids, uh, K through five, let's call it K through five, kindergarten through fifth grade. If you want to come up, just spend a little bit of time with me, please. Yep. Y'all can just have a seat. Yep. We're giving these children little flashlights, and um, 
I'm realizing that was a wonderful idea that I had because they're all going to shine it right in my face while I'm preaching. That's okay. All right. Hey, kiddos. Merry Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming up. So, uh, hey, so here's what, I just got a couple things, okay? So, yeah, I know those little flashlights are amazing, right? Oh, hi, honey. Um, so, first off, let me just say, let me just say, hey, first off, I love you a ton. All right? And all these folks back here, this, this, this church, they love you. And I really want you to have a great Christmas. All right? Um, and here's the thing. I got you this little gift, you know, this, this little flashlight. You might have cooler ones at home, but that's okay. This one will be more special to you, I hope. But here's the thing. Here's what I would like for you. Um, I've been thinking about this all week, even before this week. I would like for you to take that little flashlight, and I would like for you to put it next to your bed when you get home. Now, if mom and dad say, that's not a good idea, you just say, too bad my pastor said so. (laughs) Pastors trump parents. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Do not listen to your parents, and you can put it somewhere else. So you keep it. Now, but here's the thing. If you do end up putting it by your bed, here's what I would like for you, okay? Are you guys listening? Yeah? Yeah? All right. Here's what I want. You know, sometimes in the evening, like at night, when you, when you lay down at bed, sometimes, sometimes you get scared. Yeah? Like sometimes some, some of you might be scared of the dark. I know when I was a kid, were you, you, yeah? When I was a kid, I was super scared of the dark. It took me a long time to get over that. Um, and maybe you're not scared of the dark. Good for you. Um, so maybe some of you are scared of something else, you know? Or maybe at, at night, it's when you think about other scary things. Maybe you think about something that's scary you at school. Maybe you got something scary going. Uh-huh. Sometimes maybe you got something scary going on in your family. You know, there's lots of things. Or maybe you just feel super sad, okay? Or whatever it is. But here's what I want you to do. When you feel that way, you guys listening? When you feel that way, I want you to get that light out. And I want you to pray. And here's what I want you to say. Are you ready? Everybody listening? Everybody listening? Here's what I want you to say. Jesus, you can say it right now. Jesus, you are the light of the world. I don't need to be afraid. That's right. Now, that's something Jesus calls himself that. There's a place in John chapter 8 where he says that. I am the light of the world. Now, here's why you don't need to be afraid. All right? Because, because if Jesus, right, if Jesus comes from heaven to earth to be with you, if Jesus goes from heaven to earth to come down and be with you guys, think about how big that is, right? That's crazy. If he can do that, then nothing is too big for him. You got it? You got it? You got it? You got it? If he can do that, then nothing's too big. Nothing's too scary, right? All right? So I want you to learn that. And that's what Christmas is. As you enter Christmas, it's, it's how you know. It's how you know God loves you. Because he's come for you. He's come so that you don't have to be afraid in the dark. Okay? All right? So one more time. Say, Jesus, Jesus you, are the light of the world. you are the light of the world. I don't need to be afraid. 
All right. Thank you. All right. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray with me. You ready? Can you all close your eyes? Yeah? Everybody close their eyes. Father, we love you and we thank you. And we are so, so happy, so happy, filled with deep joy that it's Christmas. And we remember that you sent your son. You sent your son for us because you love us and you're going to protect us and you're going to lead us. And we give you so much thanks and we love you so, so much. It's in Jesus' name. And all the little children said, amen. All right. Thanks, guys. Come on. Get, oh, you got juice. You got juice. Right here to that guy. All right, church. Let's, um, let's just pray. Let's pray to transition our time here together. Um, if you come in this morning and you're in a place right now where you are... Uh, you are Waiting in anticipation for, um, hey buddy, I love that, I feel great. Um, you adults could take lessons from these kids. Um, if you come in this morning and, and, you're, and you're anticipating with like joy what you've got going on, the festivities tonight and tomorrow maybe, that... That's wonderful. That, that has its place, obviously, in Christmas and good for you. And if you come in this morning and you're in a place where you're like, man, there's just a lot of, there's some heavy stuff on me. There's some sadness I've got because of losses or whatever it is um, that you've got going on. And, and in some ways, you know, tw- uh, this year has just been, whew, right? And so in some ways we all are probably tired, um, but we've made it and we're here. But if you are in that place... I want to extend to you as a Christian pastor, like, it's okay, and that's fair and good. And there's a place for that. There's permission, there's permission for that, okay, uh, to say, hey, like, we're, to be a Christian is to be one who waits uh, with hope, but sometimes we, we hope with limps, you know, and that's just the reality, and that's okay, too. So whatever place you're in, that's okay, and I'll, I'll, let's pray together, and I'll read from a psalm that kind of embodies both of those things. So if you could, bow your head. Here's an ancient psalm for us. Um, Lord, we remember this morning that you are the light of our salvation. Who shall we be afraid of? What shall we be afraid of? Lord, you are the stronghold of our lives. Whom shall we fear? Father, We believe, and if we're struggling to believe, we need you to help us believe that we will look upon the goodness of you in the land of living. So, Father, as I unpack your word this morning, hopefully in a a humble and courageous and very clear way to your people, help us to wait for you, to be strong, and to let our hearts take courage. We are waiting for your return. 
We trust in that. We believe that. Strengthen our weak knees. Lift our drooping hands as we enter into Christmas. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you. Um, okay, so what is Christmas for the Christian? Basic enough question. What is Christmas for the Christian? Well, it's everything that John speaks of in his opening remarks. This, this, it's called the prologue. It's wonderful passage. If you, don't, if you never thought of John 1 as being a Christmas passage, it is, I submit to you. It is a Christmas passage. Um, what is he talking about there? Because there's a lot there. Heck, you could do an entire sermon series on it. But it's not just that Christmas for the Christian, it's not just the celebration of Jesus' birth. It's the celebration of the incarnation, which we've really been talking throughout this season of Advent. Um, the incarnation, that Jesus... And this is, I fully submit, hard to grasp. I know that. But he is fully God and fully man. He is fully divine and fully human. And it's wild. And there are immense implications of that. I mean, some of you have been Christians for a long time or you've been churched for a long time. And so you're just like past that. But I can tell you, and you should sit for a moment, just a quick moment to realize the magnitude of what the incarnation is. I mean, in other words, it's a watershed kind of a thing. It's a watershed belief. It's like you get over this, and then it's all open for you. What I'm trying to say is, is this. Um, John is carefully choosing words throughout his introduction of his gospel account to tell us this, that Jesus is this miracle visitation from God to us, like God's come to be with us. Now, consider that watershed of that kind of claim. If you believe in the carnation, then everything that follows it, you know, everything that follows Jesus, his life, the things he said, the things that he, he, the Bible claims that he did, now everything's on the table. Like you settle the incarnation and now you've you got to take into consideration everything he said and done. His life, his death, his resurrection, it's all there. So when you really think about that, I mean, because some people want to have Christmas, right? They want to play around with the incarnation, but they want to throw out a lot of the other things that Jesus said and did. You can't do that. It's intellectually dishonest. So the incarnation absolutely is a watershed kind of a belief, a moment for you as a Christian. It's all possible. So, you must attend, you must behold it, for as much as you can muster, just think upon the incarnation and what that means. Now, Christmas also, though, for the Christian, is a revelation, meaning because of Jesus, we can see more fully what God is like and what he is willing to do. That's what Jesus does. You see here, um, this is, of course, why John... The Apostle John likes to refer to him as light. We've been talking about this all morning. Light. Light was the kid's message as well. Light is a favorite word. It's a favorite word of John, the way John likes to describe metaphorically. He likes to talk about him as light. Seven times, I think roughly, at least in my translation here, seven times he references Jesus as light. Just in 18 verses. And he'll keep doing that throughout the gospel. He'll keep referring to him as light. 
He's just simply telling us. We can overthink it, and believe me, you can just study John 1, and you can go for hours and hours and hours. There's plenty there. There's plenty. It's a rich, rich, rich text. But really, what is light? Why light? He could have, he, there's a lot of other words, descriptive words that, that John could use. Well, light reveals. Let's not overthink it. Don't overcomplicate it. Light reveals, right? It exposes. It exposes and reveals what otherwise was hidden or misunderstood. Jesus reveals God to us in ways that we've maybe never known or that we just missed when we were reading through the Old Testament. Jesus reveals God to us. And John is overwhelmed with it, I would say. When you look at how he pins his opening gospel, he's just overwhelmed with it. And he carefully writes this, this intro uh, in such a way to remind us that Jesus reveals God to us, the Father to us. Okay, so what is he revealing? What do you see? What do you just see in John's opening remarks? And that's this. And if you don't hear anything else, this Christmas Eve, from me at least, please hear this. What Jesus is revealing, what his light shines on, it's spilling out all over the place, is this. That God has come to save by grace. That's right. Grace. Grace. This, friends, is what Christmas should be for the Christian. A much-needed reminder and refresher in grace. Grace. It's all grace. Think about it. If you can believe in God, like it, let's just assume everyone here is in that place, wherever you're at. And I know there's different, you know, we're all in different places in our spiritual journey, and that's great. But if you can believe in God, um, and you can believe that, well, uh, you might not be on the best relational terms with him, because of inadequacies in your own life, failures in your own life, that I have, that you have, we all have them. If you can believe in a God and you can believe that it's, if there is a God and I might not be on the best relational terms with him because how I've lived my life up to this point, and you think that he wants you to heal yourself, and you think that he wants you to reconcile yourself to him and the differences that you've had between him, uh, with him, it, and he wants you to do that on your own terms, you know, on your own merit, on your own will, if that's what you think, if you think that he wants you to modify your behavior in such a way that you can reconcile things with him, if that's what you think, then why in the heck are you celebrating Christmas? Why? Because Christmas is a story of grace. It's not a story of merit. Why are you celebrating Christmas as God come for us in the flesh? If salvation, that's a big word, if salvation, meaning being in right fellowship with God, if salvation comes through your own good behavior alone, then why in the world does God come down in such vulnerability, right? To be with you and to get beat up with you. Why would he do it? If he wants you to clean yourself up to get to him, then he wouldn't bother coming down. He'd say, work harder, work harder, work harder. Simply put, if God thinks you can clean up to get to him, then why does he bother to come down and get dirty? Think it, think it through. 
But if you believe what John's saying, and that is this, that God came down to, and this is verse 13, 12 and 13, if God came down to give us the right to become children of God who were born, what? Not of, not of the will, not of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but what? Of God. A privilege and a place and a status and relationship with the Father, God, not by your willpower, but by Him, a gift, right? If you believe that, then what are you doing? You're believing in salvation by grace. You're believing that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is a gift, a gift to the undeserved and the unmerited. The question is this, right? Simply this. Do you receive it as such? Do you receive Jesus as a gift from the Father, as a gift of salvation by grace? Do you believe it? Do you receive it? Are you willing and open to be changed by it? Because let's face it, not all do receive it. Not all do. And John makes that really clear in the prologue. Plenty of people, you know, for all the glory that John says they beheld, plenty of people saw the glory and still didn't believe. There weren't that many people praising his name at his crucifixion. Very few left. Plenty of people reject Jesus as God's offering of grace, and plenty of people sadly still do. Some of them fill the churches. And some of them fill pews. And it breaks my heart. Now maybe you're hearing, you're here this morning, and you're hearing this idea of salvation by grace for the first time. That God wants to save you. That God sees the darkness in the world and he sees the darkness in you and he sees the darkness in me. And he says, no, 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 no. I want something better for you. I love you and I'm coming for you. And I want to save you and I want to rescue you. And maybe you're hearing this idea that it's all by grace for the first time. That the entirety of Jesus' life isn't just to teach a higher ethical standard, but to show you that. Here's a famous one. You ready? John 3, 17. That God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now, if you're new to that concept, welcome to the party. Welcome to your first real Christmas. It's all grace. Christmas is not the announcement that we are loved as a reward for being good. No. It's that true goodness is a consequence from being truly loved. That's what it is. That's love properly understood. That true goodness always follows naturally from being truly loved. But we are so obsessed and consumed with that love comes as a reward from being good. No, no, no. No. Light came in because it was already dark in this world. Now, but for the rest of us, for all who have received and settled this in our minds, this, this idea of salvation by grace, you, you settled that five years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it is for you. For the rest of us who have received and settled this in our minds at some point, the question is this, 
Um, and I think that this is something that Christians should ask themselves every Christmas, every Christmas. Is it appropriate for you and for me? Is it appropriate for us to give ourselves over to all of these traditional festivities? Is it appropriate as a Christian to get all into the lights, the singing, the decorating, and above all, the gift giving? Is it appropriate? I boldly, boldly proclaim to you, yes. Yes. We lean in, letting it refresh and remind us anew that God is no miser, God is no Scrooge. God is no Grinch. God is not bitter with you. He is not bored with you. He is not fed up with you because of your fickle faith in 21. He is continuing, continuing to shine and come in and burst in in new and fresh ways. The beginning of John's prologue here, the first few lines are the same first few lines of Genesis 1. Now, why does John do that? Because John's trying to communicate something to you. He's trying to say, this is a new beginning. God isn't done. God's never done. He's always working. He's always moving. He's always willing to give a fresh new mercy, a fresh new grace. You see, one of the perennial problems that I know all too well in my own life, and it's probably in many of you as well, the perennial problem of Christians who have realized grace in the past is that grace is lost in the present. We lose sight of it. Our gratitude gets eclipsed by our grumbling. Because life is hard. It's stinking hard sometimes. And that's why Christmas is so important. Because Christmas jogs our memory of Christ in the world. That grace has come. Think about this, right? Think about this. I don't give my family gifts at Christmas as a way of reminding them that I keep a list, that I kept a list all year of who was naughty and who was nice. No list exists. I, I don't give my family gifts, my kids gifts because of that. They're not going to get gifts at Christmas because they happened to be on the nice list, for goodness sakes. They're on the naughty list a lot in my house. So that's not why I do it. This idea of gift, of giving things to people that we love based on making the nice list or not getting something because they're on the naughty list, that's a nonsense meritocracy that has no business in Christmas. None. Silly. No, I give my family gifts at Christmas because my love, properly understood, is not a reward for their niceness. My gifts to them is because I want them to know that I loved them first. And so, both my giving and receiving at Christmas compels me and I want it to compel you to think of not only what I have received in Christ already, his life and his death and his resurrection in my place, but also, but also, I'm compelled to long for more grace. This is what we do. 
at Christmas. What I mean is this. Because of who God is, I remember that I haven't plumbed the depths of His grace. I haven't plumbed the depths of what God is willing to give. There's more coming, both in whatever life I still have in the flesh here. As short as it might be, whatever I've got left, I expect to experience more grace from God because that's the nature of who He is. He gives, and He gives, and He gives, and He will give ultimately more and the fullness when He returns, and that's what we lean into at Christmas. John says this at the end here, for from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Literally in the Greek, John wrote, grace instead of grace, and the translators did a really good job of not making it confusing for us. But basically what he's saying is this. You get grace and then it just keeps spilling and spilling out and spilling out and you just, you you don't know where it's going to end and that's because it doesn't. It just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. There's just so much grace in him. That's what John recognizes. So in the same way that if you bask in the sunlight for hours in its light and its heat, taking it in, in the same way that you sitting in the sun does not diminish the sun's warmth, does it? Right? It's not like you're, you're zapping the sun of its energy because you bask in it. In the same way, it is the same with Jesus. When we bask in Jesus, we, we, we're not depleting him somehow. We're never going to exhaust him. It's just what he does. He gives and he gives and he gives. The problem is that God is not willing to give. That's not the problem. The problem is my attention. My attention. I take my eyes off. I stop looking. I stop being curious. The more you soak in what God has given his son, the more you soak in it, the more you recognize how little you've grasped how much he is giving us. It's spilling out in fresh ways all the time. And so as we come to our communion, as we come to our time in communion, friends, I, I, I don't know what place you're in, I'm praying for you. If, if this idea that God comes to save by grace, if this striking you new and fresh, oh boy, please pray. Pray. Receive. Walk through it as clumsily as you can in a conversation with God. He'll honor it, I promise you. And if you're just here and you're broken and you're sad or whatever that is, or you, you know, you're in a place where Christmas is just hard for you this year, look, I... Confess those things. See, I need help. I, 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 I need a new, fresh grace in my life, whatever that is. But at communion, what, that's what we're doing, friends. We're, we're remembering that Christ is a gift to us, that God is one who gives, not because we deserve. No, no, no. But because we are in so, we're in such darkness, we do terrible things to each other. Terrible things. And he just, he just heaps it on himself. And that's what this bread that we take each week represents. That Jesus took it and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. You guys break each other and now I want you to break me. And he took the cup of wine and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. That just means a promise. I'm promising I won't remember your sins. I won't remember your failures anymore if you trust me. It's all right there. 
And it's a ritual that we practice weekly to remember. If, if it's not by grace, I'm stuck in darkness. I'm, I'm, I, I can't clean up. I can't do it. And I hope that you know that you can't either. And so if, if, if Jesus is, there's a genuine confession that you're like, I, I, I believe this incarnation. I, I believe that he came. I, I believe that he's the son of God and I, I want to follow and, I, and, I'm, and I'm messing up along the way and it, things aren't always going right for me, but I, this is real to me. Then like you're invited. You're invited to come up to this station or this station and take a piece of the bread and dip it in the wine or the juice, whichever you prefer, and, and, and celebrate. And so uh, as you leave this morning, I, I, I hope that you are filled with a fresh grace, that you, are, that you are looking at the gifts that get given out by you or you receive from others, and you are just reminded, oh, yes, yes, ultimately, I'm, I'm right with God because he came for me. And he's willing to give me a new shot. And that humbles me to the depths. And it gives me a joy that my end is secure. And things will be well. They will. And I hope that you can find yourself in that same place. Thank you for being here. Go out in peace. Let's pray. Father, we, 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 we so thank you this morning. Um, for this fresh reminder that we take your body, we take it, we dip it, we take it down, we are nourished. We are nourished in remembrance of your grace that you give and that you give and that you give. Father, I take so much from others. I, I am selfish. I grumble. I give over to the darkness. We do still love the darkness more than we love the light. I confess it. But Father, shine on us. Let us come out. Let us see your salvation. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for these brothers and these sisters. Thank you for these children. And Father, thank you for those that could not be here but call this place home. We love them as well. And God, we thank you this morning. May we all leave in peace, empowered by your spirits. In Jesus' name, amen.